Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, and welcome back finally to the National Pastime Dynasty podcast. Our championship is over for 2021. We are looking forward to 2022. But before we do, I have to introduce my co-host for this podcast, the 2021 champion, President Elizande Camacho. Sorry, I didn't get the name right. I will get it right in the podcast title. It's Chase. Chase, welcome to the podcast. Buongiorno. I have been drinking Prosecco since I've won, especially after I double or nothing Brad, which was, you know, steel balls kind of shit right there. That was probably my favorite part about the entire thing was just destroying Brad's heart and soul. So Okay, you say you double or nothing him as in like, so just as a reminder... Brad got nothing for getting second. Zero dollars. And it was all because he was badgering me to split the pot day one. I said, no, not doing that. I'm here to win. Decline, decline, decline. And about the third time, I said, look, I would rather do double or nothing and walk away from this with zero dollars than split it like some of the past champions. No offense. But it's just, it, it, I told him, I go, it irks me whenever people are just going to split the prize instead of go for the glory. So I said, I'm going to do double or nothing. And he would, he said yes to start at the phone. And then we had a few texts back and forth. And he goes, I'm not going to say no. I'm going to make you say no. And I go, well, we're going to see who wins this then. And <laughs> from then on, I think I was in the lead the entire week. And on Sunday, Brad panicked. We were watching football together and on uh, and baseball, obviously, but he was panicking the entire time. And about an hour to go in the matchup, he goes, look, just give me second place prize. And no matter what, even if I come back in the last little bit, I will. You can still have first place prize. <laughs> I like cracked up for like five minutes straight because I was like, I didn't know how to say no. Fuck you, Brad. But. But no, fuck you, Brad. Like that's, but no, that's desperate. Fuck you, Brad. Yeah. So uh, that was a good time. It was, it was probably, it was one of those, it's kind of like a movie, you know, it just all fell into place, felt real good. And uh, yeah, I've been living the top of the mountain for the last month, just drinking Prosecco and eating prosciutto. Okay. So, well, first of all, you got, you got a bigger first place prize than most champions get. I feel like you can afford champagne at this point. You don't need the Prosecco. I'm a Prosecco guy. It's a Prosecco man. All right. Nothing wrong with Prosecco. So you beat the number one seed in Sam Crawford, eight to seven. And that was uh, Matt, Tim Smith, Hooligans. And then you beat the number two seed in the semifinal in Sam Crawford. And that was Trevor Rumham, eight to Mm -hmm. seven. Swept Trevor. Trevor reminded me uh, (laughs) in a previous podcast how I've swept him and then so far, I've swept him in football. I, Trevor has Trevor is not doing well against me right now. Hate to say it, but. Trevor can't remember the last time he beat you in fantasy. No, and poor guy, feel yes. bad for him. He still he ended up on the podium, ended up in third, but and then, like you said, you beat Brad pretty handily. So the sweetest part about that was beating Brad. Um, but I imagine part of it is also like you've had some rough baseball years in the past like you've you've had some not so much making the playoffs like you you've been less active in previous years you've you know maybe not done as much wheeling and dealing um 
what was it this year? How'd you do it? How was it so differently? Like, I know there are a bunch of big trades. I know that uh, <laughs> a lot of hitting on the draft, a lot of resisting trading away certain guys near and dear to your heart. But what changed this year to make you champion? Well, it wasn't. So last year, I think it started because two years ago, um, I guess, but two years ago, I just, I wasn't feeling it for whatever reason and kind of just lost interest, especially because I think it was like a month or two into the season. I don't really remember, but um, I didn't sell my lineup for one day in a week and ended up losing that matchup. And that happened three or four times. And I got frustrated and just stopped paying attention. Never good. And right. uh, unless you put in all your effort, look at it every single day, know what's going on. It's just, it's hard to be meaningful in this league. So last year, uh, COVID year, I, you know, tried to show more interest and just be a part of it more and uh, look at it every single day. And I didn't make the playoffs last year, but this year, same thing, just put my head down, got to work and uh, just tried to start with drafting the best players I could and not trading away anybody that I deemed untradeable like Jose Ramirez. Dude, Jose Ramirez is the guy that I swear everybody in the league has asked you for. Everybody. And I literally, there's never been one time where I was like, oh, I'm considering this. I've told everybody no multiple times. And there's no trade that's good enough because there's just no return. Nobody's going to offer up the player that I want. There's really not another player that I want because I've had him since inception. There was one year. I want to say it was, I want to say it was 2017. I won, I won in 2017. And I want to say it was, um, because I was living with Ethan, I remember us getting coffee at the time, and I was talking to you about Jose Ramirez, and I was like, I'm so close. I can't remember at all what the deal was. I know it was like either Machado or Betts or something like that, um, and getting a big haul plus Ramirez back, and we just couldn't put the pieces together. But he's been your guy since day one. Now he's yeah. a champion. Yeah, and it all started, uh, I think, Huck was like, man, I really like Jose Ramirez. I kind of want him. And I drafted him in, the whatever, I think, eighth or tenth round, or I think it's eighth round. I dropped, snaked him from Huck, and ever oh, since you, then, you can't give just Huck been, so much credit. It's it's freaking Trey Lance all over again. No, he he he's the one per he's the guy that like put him on my radar, and I just I was like I'm gonna draft him before him, just because he said that, and it ended up being a great decision. Just to you know, spite Huck, it's good. It's a good feeling when Huck tells you to draft a guy. No, he now, didn't tell me to draft a guy. He said. This is a guy I like. He, well, okay. was, he was looking for him. He, it was nothing. Huck doesn't give me advice. When when he mentions it to someone, that is. Because, yeah. like, think of all the, like, Aaron Judge. Victor is Aaron Judge because Huck was like, oh, Aaron Judge is pretty good as a Yankee. And Aaron Judge was terrible the year before, and now he's one of the best keepers in the league. Um, we've done, on the podcast, we've done an in-depth look at to, like, where all of our league's keepers are come or came from, and so many of them were like traded from Huck, like traded, like Huck got frustrated with players and he traded them and then they blew up or mm -hmm. it's guys like that where it's like, oh, I'm interested in this guy. So I don't know if that's, you know, uh, what's the opposite of the Midas touch? Like as soon as they're away from Huck, it's. Yeah, they do well. Yeah. They blow up. It's like I was really trying to get the flying squirrel last year. I think once he gets off Huck's team, he's just going to blow up. <laughs> Watch out for Jeff McNeil. So you had the big barrel trade with John, which I think when you did it, a lot of people questioned it. 
Um, everybody, and- everybody told me I was an idiot. And it, it was before he had any of that legal trouble. And at the time, what exactly what I was thinking was I would rather be just a, like a killer on offense. I want to dominate offensive stats and get away from starting pitching because I had these late round guys of all the um, Tijuana Walker at that time was good. Um, I had these guys that are not as good, but I'm not looking to win. I'm not going to win strikeouts most weeks. I want low walks and I don't really care about ERA. I just want holds and dominate the offensive categories and see what happens. So trading Bauer to me, I was, I've had him for a couple of years. Yeah. He's a late rounder, but I was getting the exact same round back with Walsh and um, Walsh. He kind of faded at the end of the year, but he's a guy I'm going to keep for many years to come. Oh yeah. Yeah. Young player in a good roster, uh, 30 homers, almost hundred RBIs in the 19th round. I mean, that's, that is uh that's going to be a blue chip keeper for you for a while. Was Trevor Bauer's douche factor part of that no, at all? Like, no, no, no. no, not I, at all. I enjoyed it because that's kind of um like I enjoyed him. I enjoyed owning him for so many years and everybody hating on him. I was like, yeah, yeah, bring on the hate, bring on the hate. <laughs> so it didn't buy it, that had nothing to do with it. It was purely uh, like me and John can make trades sometimes. Unlike me and Trevor, I can never trade with Trevor in baseball. We just don't see eye to eye on players. And it's kind of like in the podcast, I remember I you know dropped that little tidbit of him saying how my team wasn't good. Um, he also said one at one point, he he goes, I think I, I know baseball pretty well. And Chase's team is just bad. I couldn't find that. I looked, I scoured through the, <laughs> through the podcast trying to find that quote. I couldn't find it, but I found the other one. And uh, no, me and Trevor, we just get here. He's like, no, Trevor Story's top five player. And I'm thinking, no, he's not. So uh, I'm not going to, that was the big offers from him from Ramirez last year was just Trevor Story for Ramirez. And he's like, no, nah, I'm good. <laughs> yeah, he had a lot of shortstop eligible guys that he was trying to sling around. For sure. Yeah, and I was trying to get some of them, but I just wasn't going to pay what he he deemed I needed to pay for those players. So, um, yeah. Okay, so you talked about a little bit your strategy as far as you know racking up offensive categories, not worrying about ERA as much. You took up the big five three relief pitcher strategy that uh, I think John originally won a championship with. And then Huck took like to the extreme. And now there have been like, I want to say a fair percentage of the league committed to it in one way, shape or form. I would call it the five, three or the reverse Tony um, because you focus primarily (laughs) on relief pitchers and Tony hasn't had a relief pitcher since like 2015. Um, So how do you feel? I mean, it, it was an option and it's strategic and obviously it paid off for you because you were able to focus so much on offense. But with that in mind, knowing that it's like a, it's a thing in the league, it's, it's similar to the shift. Like it's something that is became become a strategy in the league. What do you think about the proposal, you know, that's kind of being kicked around about the minimum innings limit being taken way up? I think that, that, should happen because I have no doubt that that five, three is the best strategy unless you have 
late round guys who are great starting pitchers and you just have a really well-rounded team. If you have a top, like John's team next year is kind of scary. Um, he has a very well-rounded team. Um, if he just gets some relief pitchers on top of what he has, I think he's going to do real well next year. But um, I, I think that is an, at minimum what needs to happen to try to make starting pitching more of a uh, like must-have. So it's currently set at 20. What do you think is a good kicking off point for it? Like, obviously, once uh, 30. we – You think 30? 35 is what I was thinking. Uh, but I would rather – y'all go through the numbers and, and just propose what – I I, I want to say 35, but I honestly – like 50. I think it should be kind of more of an extreme number just because – it forces people to have have to start starting pitchers and like someone like Huck where it's like, I just want my ERA low. So I just want one starter. I don't care about quality starts. I don't care about wins. I want low ERA. I want low whip. I want, I don't care about strikeouts, uh, saves and holds. So, um, 50. So is extreme. 50 is where I originally thought too, but I did, I dug through some of the numbers just for this year. Um, anything else would be too much. And I'm thinking 40 is going to be my medium. Like that's just because you think about it. If it's, if you get like five quality starts, which it's hard to get a quality start, no matter what, but five quality starts at a start, like you have to start five pitchers or, you know, two pitchers twice and one other pitcher and then get 10 innings from relievers. Like you can't do the five, three there. It, I mean, you can, it's just at some point, you are going to be in danger of losing every single pitching category because that's what happens if you don't no, hit the minimum. You forfeit you're right. all of them. And that's what I was thinking with 35 is you don't want to destroy the 5-3 combo. Um, I think that that should still be a strategy. I, just, I think it's overpowered right now. I think it's just too much. If you have enough offensive players and you just focus on relief pitchers, you'll win or you'll at least make the playoffs and do very well. So um, I think that 35-40 is a good median. 50 is very extreme and would make it to where if you don't have starting pitchers, you're going to lose. I think a good like a good example, and I brought it up a lot during the season on the podcast, a good example of like how people structure their pitching and like the ideal way that a team should be not forced, but kind of like pushed into for like managing their pitching is the way Brad did it. Like Brad did not have a ton of relievers, but he prioritized relievers high in the draft so that like he didn't, as far as saves holds, like, yeah, the, the ERA and whip and walks um, that that's going to be what it is. But he was able to use the rest of his roster spots on additional offensive guys or streaming pitchers, or more often than not, just using the same, underwhelming pitchers in Yusei Kikuchi and John Gray and, and yeah. whoever else. But like I, the idea of, you know, people having actual options rather than it just being, listen, I'm going to get as many innings as possible when I'll win as many counting stats as I can, or five, three, I think that's, what's broken. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I so, would, I would much rather have there be more, more options available for strategery. Okay, yeah. so that's that's kind of what I was looking for. I didn't, I haven't talked to so like John and Huck, like I said, are big five three guys. Um, I haven't 
heard from them, but I imagine people that benefit from the five three and that are good at it would rather it. Oh yeah, their they? vote's going to be negative for sure. Right. But it's not fair. I mean, it, it it's clearly something that if you have that starting pitcher relief pitcher and it's your fifth guy and he can start like that's that's an that's a huge advantage. Johnny Lasagna last year, he didn't do much for me in the playoffs, but throughout the regular season, Johnny Lasagna, man, he's he's one of my guys now. Oh. Dude, Johnny Lasagna and Cedric Mullins were the bane of my existence this season. I hated those guys when I faced those them. are those are my heroes, man. You don't talk about them like that. I hated them. They ruined I know you, me. I know you hated them. I felt it in the chat. I felt it. I felt your anger from them, <laughs> and also the podcast. All right, let's talk about uh, something that comes up every year: increasing NA slots. Um, the, this is the John Breeze issue. And that he's going to have any players no matter what right now. Um, so are we going to give him the slots for it? But no, really, like right Denied. now we've got, we've got three. Do you think three is enough? I don't think there's any chance we ever reduce from three, but do you, do you think three to five, three to four? No, I think three is perfect because you either, um, you're either going to go hitting heavy or pitching heavy. So I think three is the right number. I think if you go to four or five, it just, is going to, I don't know, it just seems a bit much. So I think three is the proper number. John's just being greedy and <laughs> trying to, you know, <laughs> hoard all the, anybody who's going to come up. So uh, I don't know. I go I'm back and three. forth with it. I like the NAs because it like increases, it lets you, it, it plays into the dynasty a little bit and it, I don't know, it gives you some additional trade options, but my real issue with it is not everybody uses the slots. So yep. it's really, we're benefiting those of us that use the slots. And I, I think if you're not using your NA slots or drafting uh, prospects, I think that's kind of a waste, but it's your But they're also, that and I mean, there's a couple of people in the league that have just went well out of their way to get certain guys, certain prospects. Yeah. You, you know, my jaw has dropped a couple of times where I'm like, you really drafted him in the fifth round. And so I mean, it, 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 a lot of times it, it works out for them, but it's also just kind of, you know, eye opening. The, the original two that were like that, the earliest NAs, it started with uh, Carlos Correa in the eighth before. Mm-hmm. And this is when he was like 19. And we were like, and and our dad drafted him. And we we're like, what are you doing? Like, he's not going to play for two years. And then he got called up in like June. Um, and we all looked so stupid. And then Chris Bryant in the second yeah. was a big one. But everybody knew he was coming up pretty soon. And then Acuna in, in the fourth. Yeah. It's, um, it's Wild West out there sometimes. So, I don't know. I Like I said, I go back and forth. Um, at the same time, I don't think it's, I think for most people, it's like, all right, well, whatever the rule is, I'll do it. Like, this isn't one that a whole lot of people get passionate about. No. And, you know, I'm going to be a curmudgeon on certain things and I like to keep it the same a lot of times. So I'm going to keep it the same. It's kind of like with triples. I don't want to get rid of triples because that's how it's been. And it's a stat. Were you pro errors too? No, I didn't care for errors. I mean, I either way. I mean, that's not something I'm super passionate about. If the whole league wants to do errors, great. If they don't, then great. It, I mean, it's not something you can plan for really, except for the obvious extremes. Um, I think it's more of a luck stat 
but it's not something I'm like, I'm going to throw up my hands and quit. Yeah, I didn't like it. I didn't like errors at all. The the big hot button from this past season, the one that, that got everybody hot and bothered, Divisions. Our mm. first season with Divisions, you won. You swept through Sam Crawford, which I think was regarded by uh, most, including myself, as the best division. Obvious, clearly. obvious best. Yes, Obviously clearly. the best division. Clearly. Um, Tremendous. How do you think the first season with Divisions went? Do we, uh, like, nothing to change? Um, do we... Get, like, do you think we should get rid of divisions and go back to a big no, no, Are nothing, there changes nothing, we need to make? Nothing to change because I like that in one league there can be five teams that are better than the other league, and some ass wipe sneaks into the playoffs. That's in the shittier division. I, I like that. I like that's kind of that's how sports is. I mean, there's always a bad division. There's always a team that squeaks in that shouldn't. The Washington football team last year shouldn't <laughs> been in the playoffs. But they got in the playoffs. Give them a shot. It's fun to watch. So, um, no, I, I think it, it was a good addition to the league, and I think it should stay the same. It's funny. I, I went back and looked at the original draft between uh, Kevin and Victor and, like, where they drafted everybody. And you and – so I think Brad was, um, like, a mid, mid-round mid pick, and you were also a mid-round pick. So it's, like, the people that that – were drafted last like i want to say i was one of the later picks but it turns out the people that were drafted last that they were trying to avoid don't i don't want this person in my division um didn't come anywhere close it was yeah. it was like as balanced as can be like matt's yeah. going to be good every year trevor's going to be good every year um and brad is going to do what brad does which Get is lucky Every once in a while, <laughs> uh, you say that he did a heck of a job this past year. I got a, <laughs> I, I gave him credit on the podcast, and I won't stop. Now, granted, the minute he stops uh, trying or starts doing stupid things, I'm gonna hammer him. I'm gonna hammer it. I'm gonna talk about it nonstop. It's all I'm gonna talk about. But he did great uh, this past year. No, he he paid attention. He did great. Um, he didn't throw up his hands in the air and quit. So that's that's all you can ask for from Brad. No, August is crunch time for him when it comes to baseball. Yep. Yeah, no, I remember the year that he was eighth and you're the number one seed. I called it. Now, I'm not going to say I knew it was coming. I just said, I think this is, this feels like Max is too dominant and Brad is just that piece of shit that's going to knock you off in the first round. I didn't think he'd win the whole thing. I just thought it was going to really upset you and it ended up happening and you're very upset. I'm sorry. I, I, I can see your pain from here. <laughs> Still many years later. It's not something I like to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> like, that was, and that was the same year that Brad got into the playoffs at like 8.30 Sunday night, the night before the playoffs. After like, not play, paying attention for all of July, an entire month of not setting his roster. And then he's like, oh, I can make the playoffs if I try this next two weeks. And he made the playoffs barely, barely, as, and then went on to win it all. Yeah, I don't like that's, talking that's about fate, it. That that's fate. That's fate, baby. That's fate. He's <laughs> <laughs> uh, he's got two ships. You know, it's yeah. not you can call it a fluke if it's one, but he's got two ships and he made it to another one this past year. And I yep. like, I'll be honest, and I I know it's been brought up in the gridiron, and um, I think as as time goes on, like these championships mean more and more. Like I mm-hmm. won the first ever championship in this league and it we were using rotisserie scoring and mm. compare that those to are the good days 
the championship you just won or you know uh, john's most recent championship or anything like that like or you know my dad's championship it's not even close like the the level of difficulty and just the pomp and circumstance that comes with being champion right now like it's you're living a good life oh yeah oh yeah especially after winning all the money that's just icing on the cake but no um I, i i feel very blessed and i'm going to bestow gifts upon everybody just like when i won in football because i am a generous you're I'm a going generous with god gifts again this year you're doing you know it. it yep of course and are you I, is your team name president camacho next year because you know champion i mean i didn't change it in football and i'm feeling pretty good about my football team right now so i think i'm just gonna leave it alone i i'm kind of a little i'm not superstitious i'm just a little stitious you know just <laughs> Uh, for those of you that aren't in the gridiron, Chase won in 2018, 2019. Yeah, 2019. 2019. Um, and when Chase won, it was like the the next year's draft came at the start of COVID. And so not everybody could be together, but Chase mailed, for those of us that couldn't be at the draft, mailed gifts, um, including shots for us all to take together on Zoom. And, you know, uh, shirts and, and plaques i still have my plaque sitting on my desk right now and you know he there was a lot of uh a lot of like i said pomp and circumstance brought to the ceremonies and so i'm excited that that's great i'm excited that you're doing that again this year well yeah of course yeah and i i try to be try to personalize it as much as i can and that's kind of tried what i that's what i tried to do in the uh in you know the gridiron and i'm going to try to do it here also even though I don't know everybody on a super personal level, I'll still try to be thoughtful and uh, make it where, um, you know, you won't forget and you'll be gracious and grateful whenever I win every single time I win. (laughs) Well, it's raising the bar. It's raising the bar too, because like, if you do this, there's going to be an expectation. Like, uh, like, I'm sorry. Once you, once you're champion, if you do something like, like, regardless of what it is, if you, if it's shirts or if it's, you know, oh, I got drinks or, or you know, whatever, like it raises the bar. And so you doing that this year, like I said, I'm excited. That sounds great. Um, on the opposite end of the standings, something that's come up and it, multiple people have texted me about it. Last place punishment is something that has become a big deal in the gridiron this year um like people are terrified of and right now it's between brad and my two people two people are two terrified. people and they're terrified and they will do anything to get out of last place uh this year so divisions it's a little bit different i mean you could still seed it you can do it by overall uh record but this year it would have been sutton and victor do you think whether it's you know by division or just total in the league do you think we need a last place punishment in the league if not everybody's gonna show up to the draft and i mean everybody needs to show up to the draft then i don't think there's a point um if you i think everybody needs to be get be together that day and i think the punishment needs to revolve around at the draft i don't think it should be yeah, it shouldn't be like, oh, you have to go to Waffle House on your own time, and you know you're there for 24 hours unless you eat, pan- you know that that kind of stuff. Uh, that's not as it's funny, but it's not what I want to be a part of. It needs to be at the draft, something to humiliate them for a couple rounds, 
And yeah, I mean, I, 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 it's kind of like everything else. It, it's not something I'm going to say, no, never. And it's not something I'm going to say, yes, we have to do this. So um, if, you know, everybody's siding on that then Great. Yeah. That sounds like fun. But also I think you getting people getting last place is pretty humiliating in itself. So it is, it is. And I completely agree with you that it needs to be something at the draft. I hate, like, I don't want anybody dressed in a dress on a street corner, like holding up a sign or what things that other leagues do where it's like, our league's the best. Um, we, that's not our thing. Like we, yeah. we do this to have fun. We do this because even though you don't know everybody in the league, you've still got it. Like you've never met Tony in person, right? No, I've never met Tony. No. Tony has assured me he's coming to the draft this year. You'll meet him in person and you'll automatically like, it's not going to be like, Oh, hi, I'm chase by the way. Like it's, you guys have had trade talks. He knows that you're the champion. Like, this is something your that ties team us sucks, all Tony. together. Go fuck yeah. yourself. <laughs> hit, him, hit him with the meanest shit that you can come up with. But either way, I like the idea of it being at the draft. So with draft attendance in mind, what do you think? Like, we've had some draft dodgers the past couple of years. Um, Victor has been guilty. Tony's been guilty. Uh, Brad, was Brad guilty this year? Yeah, I was guilty and Brad was guilty. I think that was four. Um, right. Vic- yeah, I don't know if you said Victor, but yeah. But you and Brad came the year before. Yes. Yes. We and were at the uh, the Lake Conroe place. Yeah. Do you think so? There's a. And Victor was there for what? Two rounds or something? Two or three, three rounds. rounds. <laughs> and let me tell you, great couple of rounds for him. Um, yeah. He really struggled from the car. It, it all went yeah, down yeah. from there. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a rule in john breezes fantasy football league where you don't show up for the draft you're out of the league and we obviously we can't do that like we would never do that it's dynasty league we it's like most of us have been building these rosters for a decade plus yeah, and, and and stuff happens you know i you know not everybody can be present but if they try and they're going to at least be on the zoom call and sit there quietly and listen to everybody drunk and banter then yeah they deserve to be there what about like two or three years in a row though? Like if you don't make it to a draft, uh, like over the course of two or three years, I mean, is there, do you, do you think we like hit a point where it just goes, you know what, man, like, do you really want to be doing this? Right. I don't think there should be a law. I think it should be by feel, by gut, you know, just take it as it comes. So, okay. you know, if somebody is clearly not interested and not going to show up, we'll we'll sense that and we just kind of have to um just let it I, rules like that you know there's always something so like this last year it was too close to my child's birthday and it was my child's first birthday so it's just not something i was going to go die on the hill for I, you know i'd rather be there for my kid's birthday honestly right that's um, a battle that's a battle yeah. the, but yeah, you, don't pick. you know there's always another fantasy league there's always another birthday but you know just sometimes you have to weigh the pros and cons of each thing and you know people either understand or they don't so i get that and it's like i bring this up because again other people have brought it up to me it's it is man, if we can get a 16-man draft, how epic would that be? And my, most of my response has been, well, last year was pretty fucking awesome at the draft. Like, yeah. you, weren't, you didn't get to see it, but the draft barn was incredible. It was absolutely fantastic. There were taps, there were pool tables, there was a, 
I don't know. I was drunk most of the time, but it was awesome. It was fantastic. <laughs> yeah, you lost your voice pretty early. Oh, yeah. Well, I lost my voice yelling. Rule changes will mm. do that to you. Yeah. Um, but yeah, in a league, especially in a league where I feel like I'm trying to convince people to stay in more often than I'm trying to get people out. Um, I agree with you there. I don't, I want everybody to show up to the draft as much as possible, but I, I like the idea of it just being, you know, like, listen, come to the draft because it's fun. Yeah. Come to the draft and, you know, we'll figure it out. If, if no, if somebody's not going to want to be there and they're habitually not wanting to be there, like I understand Victor's issues. Um, I, I'm not going to beat him up and be like, no, Victor needs to go. Victor is He's clever. He's funny. He's in it, and he's good. To, uh, as far as I'm concerned, he's got about forty children in his house. Like yeah, at a he's certain, a, and he's adding every year. He's adding a new one. We're we're like 10, 15 years out from Victor being able to just fill a roster with his children. Mm-hmm. So, like at a certain point, if he can get them to show up to the draft, you know, and yeah. then we're like, whoa. Um, but okay, we're talking draft. You're the champion. By January 1st, you have a responsibility to have a draft location picked out. How's your research going so far? What what are you taking into account? What should everybody expect? Like pack a bathing suit? Do I pack a, a hoodie? Um, I mean, at this point, I have a few options that I've been mulling over. Um for everybody's sake and for trying to get everybody to be there. Central Texas is obviously up on the list and just finding something where there's no plane and we can spend a few extra bucks on the Airbnb is probably the best option. I would think unless, you know, other I, I, I'm a man of the people, so I'm not going to demand somebody or everybody go meet in Canada. You know, I'm not going to demand we go to some obscure location that's going to be difficult to get to. Um, so I'd say right now, top of the list, Central Texas, or in between Houston and Dallas, maybe. I've yeah. looked at a few places over there, and you can get, you know, a well above average place where, you know, 80% of the people get a bed. And the rest of the schmucks, you know, the bottom feeders of the league, they can sleep on the floor or the couch. Um, the other places, selfishly, I would want to go somewhere that uh, offers edibles and weed. Sure. So um, that's Arizona or California or Colorado. But again, I don't know if I want to force flights to be involved in this. So it's right now Central Texas going to one of those places. And then a, a wild card would be going to somewhere around Lake Charles so I can pop into the casino and throw some dice. Oh yeah. Yeah. We did, uh, we did some casino work in, in Colorado for the gridiron draft this past year. Yeah, it was very enjoyable. I think we did very well. Very, very well. Very well. Hot rolls. Um, okay. So you talked about the beds, you know, what, what us, when you're looking at the Airbnbs or hotels or whatever it is, what's, what are you focused on aside from location and, amount of beds like what's the amenity that's important to you um just enough room really and just make sure that everybody's gonna have a good time so and i don't want to make everybody spend a shit ton of money like (coughs) chuck (coughs) but um you know (laughs) i'm I'm thinking you know no more than 
hundred bucks, 150 bucks a piece is what I'm going to try to focus on. I'm not going to do something super extravagant. It's just going to be kind of more camaraderie and, um, you know, there doesn't need to be a bunch of extra stuff because we're only there for two nights and we're going to have fun just mingling and trading and bickering. So mostly that last one. Yes, bickering. Yes. Um, I will defend the draft farm and its costs from last year in that one, it ended up being like $160 a night for two nights, which mm-hmm. don't get me wrong, it's it's not nothing, but it's a, a nicer hotel stay. Um, and we got way more than a nice hotel stay out of it. And two, there were a lot of not last second, but like month leading up to it, dropouts that drove the price up a little bit, you know, and yeah. I'm not trying to make anybody feel bad, but like it originally wasn't that expensive. I know that John Breeze has told me if I have to pay $300 for another draft weekend, I'm not going. And I don't believe him. Um, hmm. But he said it. <laughs> he said it. So it's on record, but I don't believe him because the draft is, is too good. Yeah. So, okay. Well, I'm excited about that. January 1st, so by January 1st, we will have a draft house and costs per person sent out to everybody. Um, your Everybody's keeper forms will be up and ready to go. As always, keepers are due two weeks after the Super Bowl. So it's a Sunday, it's two weeks later. And generally, we like to draft, what is it, first week in March um, or like two weeks after keepers are due. I mean, really a, a lot of it is just kind of your call this year. I mean, you know, when you, your kid's birthday is, I imagine you might schedule it around that. Yeah. Uh, I, right now I'm looking at the weekend of the 11th is probably it. I would rather do that than the weekend before or after. So um, we'll see if I can make it work around that. Okay. I mean, this is as much notice as we can give people. Uh, March 11th is a Friday. So the 11th, 12th, 13th, um, it's, it's the week after Ash Wednesday and the week before St. Patrick's Day, according to my Apple calendar. So that's really all you need to know. Um, March 11th is penciled in. So I'm excited, man. I, I can't wait to hear more about it. I know we're still in football season, but like, you know. Football's taking a lot of my energy right now. I mean, all of it honestly but it's taking a lot of my emotion right now um i don't know about energy but it's definitely taking a lot of emotion but either way i'm i'm still national pastime dynasty you know it's it's coming up i'm excited yeah. it'll be good we but got another it, month of football season or of fantasy football season uh, looking forward to it i'll be in the playoffs i don't know about you but <laughs> i'll be there i got that little star next to my name it's feeling pretty good i'll let you know in about two weeks um yeah. Okay, so let's rapid fire some actual MLB talk. So first of all, important date, I believe today at noon, the CBA expired. And so we're basically more or less. No, no, in- false. It, it expires tonight. It, it has not expired yet. It expires tonight. It expires tonight. Okay. Yeah. All the, the deadline for um, free agency deals that I heard was noon today but I, i'll be honest to that my wednesday sucks so i might have just not seen the am or i don't know either way today the the mm-hmm. cba expires today we're headed for a lockout the last time the players met it was 
a 30 or the players met with the union reps. It was 30 minute conversation, which is not great. Um, so no idea how long this will last, but what we have right now, Rangers spent over $500 million over a number of years on their middle infield in freaking uh, Marcus Simeon and Corey Seager. What uh, is that? I mean, did the Rangers just buy themselves into relevance or is this a stupid investment? Well, first of all, I was listening to Buster Only on ESPN 97.5 radio today on my drive home <laughs> from work. And he is confident that there's not going to be a super long lockout. This isn't going to drag into the season. There's too much money to be made. And I'm confident that season can start on time. Um, but the Rangers, I mean, I'm as an Astros fan, I'm not really concerned by the Rangers. I do think <laughs> that they, uh, they definitely gained a bit, but it's not something that I'm going to lose sleep over as a diehard lifelong Astros fan. I'm kind of there with you. Um, I'll be honest. I mean, they have no pitching. They have uh, they have John Gray, who is, uh, in my opinion, not great. But yeah. and they have uh, the guy that they just drafted, and I always forget. Well, maybe name. they'll go with the old five three uh, strategy, and they'll just rely on relief pitchers. You know? Nothing but relievers. Uh, yep. In in Major League Baseball, they call that the Rays, the Kevin Cash. Yes, yes, um, yes, yes. So no, I'm I'm with you there. A lot of pitchers have signed. Max Scherzer to the Mets. Robbie Ray to the Oof. Mariners. Verlander. Sticking with the Astros, but there's and Stroman signed with the Cubs today. Oh, I know. I'm so excited about Verlander and everything that he brings to the team. Um, big guys still out though. Kershaw, Rodon, uh, Stroman signed with the Cubs. Where I mean, where do you see uh, Kershaw alone is a big name? You know, like he's a big what, name, but he's. I mean, it's sad because four years ago he was. He's, I don't want to say he's a flash in the pan because I had a, a player that was a flash in the pan um, and his name ex- escapes me. The co- Jake Arrieta. I had Jake Arrieta for the year and a half where he was the most untouchable pitcher in all of baseball. He trades offered to me left and right, telling everybody to go fuck themselves. And I get run into the ground. I had him in the fifth round for a while. And I don't think Kershaw was quite like that. I think Kershaw was definitely – the best pitcher in baseball for five or six years, but right now he's clearly not. And I think he'll be lucky to get a two-year deal. I agree with you. Uh, I actually could see it being like a pretty high paid one year prove it deal with a, mm-hmm. with a player option. Um, but I mean, there was a point in time when, when he could stay healthy, like he made eight out of nine all-star teams for the national league in a row. And granted, he was, He's in a he pitcher's was, park, but, you know. No, he was the elitist of elite for a very, very, very long time. And he didn't get hurt. It's it's not like um, some of these other, you know, all-star pitchers who are really great, but they get hurt. Um, Kershaw was the workhorse, and he was the best pitcher in baseball for a long, long time, at least five years. Oh, for sure. Absolutely. And whenever we say, oh, well, he started getting hurt, blah, 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 the guy still made – at least 20 starts every year up until 2020. And that was the yeah. 2020 year. He still makes 20 plus starts a year. It's just, he is injury. Prone. It's he's not the same though. You can just see it with his numbers. He's just not the same player. 
So I maybe he'll go. I think he'll. It's kind of like the Yankees are like, come on. It's kind of you know the Yankees are real good at bringing in those old vets that you know three or four years ago they were the best pitcher in baseball, but they're not quite there. I think he'll end up with the Yankees or something like that. What worries me is I feel like Kershaw would actually be a really good like that one plus one deal with yeah. the Rangers. I mean, mm. he he and Stafford went to the same high school here in DFW. Um, and like, they're big DFW guys. Like, you know, he grew up as a Rangers Cowboys fan. So I like with the money they're spending right now, the money they're throwing out because they're tired of losing. It's, it's uh, Chris Young, the six foot 10 used to be a pitcher general manager of them, just getting approved all the money that uh, John Daniels was never given. Like I, I could see Kershaw going there for like a, one year, $18 million with a $20 million player option for the next year. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. That wouldn't be a terrible place for him to go or Seattle or something to overpays him. I mean, the angels, you'd think the angels would offer him a few bucks and that would make sense for him not to have to move out of LA and everything. So. Yeah. I mean, the angels haven't made a big, bold, stupid signing yet. And that's, that's a part of my off season checklist. Like yeah. angels may overpay somebody and it, we yeah. all roll our eyes. All right. How about the Astros? So we're obviously all still waiting on Correa. Very stressed out about that. We got Verlander back, and that's great. Um, what would like? What's on your Astros wish list? Like, uh, uh, Correa is the obvious one, but if we can't get Correa, who do you want? I don't want Trevor Story. I mean, that's not somebody who I'm very interested in. I think I was listening to Busting Only on ESPN 97.5 on the way home today. And he was telling me that Story is a great athlete. And if we did sign him, it would be an option to move him to center field and just go with one of the young guys at shortstop. But I'm just, I'm not interested in Story. I think he's in a, one a six or seven year deal. And we might as well pay Correa the eight year deal, nine year deal that it would take to get him. Um, but Castellanos, um, I think that is an interesting under the radar. Why has nobody signed him? He had an amazing year last year. Definitely Ethan's best pick. Um, oh, I would love Cassianos. That's a, God, that would be a great addition to the outfield. I, I stared at Ethan's team last year, just trying to think of a way to get him. And it just didn't make sense. So I didn't even offer him anything, but that's a player that I'd love to have. I like his energy. I like his fire. He's a, he's a cool guy. So. That'd be cool to get, but I don't think it'll happen. Um, I do think we have a better shot at getting Correa right now, though, than we did two or three weeks ago. Um, oh, for sure. I mean, with the with everybody else that's already been cleared of the market, his options are like us, Yankees, Dodgers. Yeah, and Buster only on ESPN 97.5. He was talking about this. <laughs> We're just he getting said, Buster only featured on the podcast right now. Basically. Smart guy. Great, great broadcaster. Um, I was listening to him, and he was saying that Carlos Correa was not looked at by some people as going to be the highest-paid shortstop coming out of free agents into free agency. It was going to be uh, Seeker. Seeker was going to demand the most money, and he was going to set the market for this offseason. So that being the case, and there's not many suitors beyond uh, – they've all kind of dried up. I do think that if we offered enough in, in a seven or eight year deal, 
we could get him or maybe one year, like $50 million prove it again deal or something, or go find free agency next year. Here's $50 million. Maybe that happens. Um, which is a long shot, but I, I do think we have a better chance than we did a couple of weeks ago to get uh, Korea. I agree. And the, to me, that's, it's still, when those reports came out that he might not be the top played or top paid free agent, I, that had to have been pre-playoffs. And then he mm-hmm. just, I mean, he had all the fire in the playoffs. He played really well. He won the platinum glove for the league as the best fielder, which news came out today. They were like, oh, well, Correa might be willing to move to third. And I'm like, are you an idiot? Yeah. Like, that's the dumbest shit I've ever heard in my life. He's well, they're the best saying fielder in the league. They're saying a lot of uh, managers or general managers are concerned about his lower back. Okay. And that's the issue that's kind of um, making people be a little cheap and not want to pay him the money he wants, which is Lindor money, but he's not going to get Lindor money because the Mets aren't looking to go sign Carlos Correa. They're the only team in the league that would give him that much money, except for maybe the Angels. But the Angels are worried about paying Otani $50 million a year. So. And they're already leveraged the hilt, man. I mean, they've got Rendon. They've got Mike Trout. They've got Otani. And we haven't mm-hmm. even talked about pitchers. Yep. Like, well, Otani pitcher, I guess. I was talking about Otani batter. <laughs> like yeah, yeah, he should get two contracts, as, yeah. as far as I'm concerned. He's probably about to, in all yeah. fairness. That's um, part of the negotiations this year in the players. <laughs> if, we, it, if we couldn't get Correa, my dream scenario, I think, like, I love Chris Bryant. I mm-hmm. love Chris Bryant. And I think Bregman could easily slide over to short. Um, I don't think that's probable because I think Chris Bryant might get signed before Correa. And I would never want us to, like, if we still have a shot punt at Correa, Correa, stay in it. Yeah. 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 Never yes. punt on Correa. But no, I, I disagree. I think I was, um, I've heard reports that Bregman, because of his legs, and he's, they're not going to, from what I'm hearing, you know, the rumblings from I'm Buster that, only? Yeah. On Buster only on ES, ESPN 975. <laughs> um, drive home. Um, it's just, that's not something that the Ashers are going to do there. If they're going to put somebody at shortstop, it's going to be one of those two young guys. Um, their names escape me, but there's a couple of uh, prospects in the pipeline that are Jeremy Pena is a big name right now. Jeremy Pena. But, um, no, I, I I don't, I think they'll either go with the Rook or they're going to maybe sign Trevor story, but there's issues with him and his throwing arm. Um, I think it's Correa or Bust right now. You either go Correa or you go one of the young guys. Yeah, I. It's it, that's hard to argue with. I I'm interested in Carlos Rodon from a pitching standpoint too, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He looked awesome for the White Sox. Like he looked like he made himself just a shitload of money. Oh, I think yeah. Pedro Le, Pedro Leon Pedro Leon. Mm-hmm. He's the other uh, shortstop prospect. Yeah, I agree. Um, I was I it was driving me nuts. I was like I can. Think of one, and that's just about it. Um, but yeah, I, I like Rodon a lot. Big fan. I would like to see the Astros bolster their pitching uh, with all the injury bullshit we've had to deal with over the last couple of years. But yeah, I mean, especially the relief pitching. Just go after good relievers. I think is the plan, and try to get either a center fielder or a shortstop in free agency. Try to have seven strong. Um, and just roll with Jordan as your your uh, centerpiece. I think Jordan's the new centerpiece of the team. And um, 
Frommer is going to be our best pitching. I mean, yeah, Frommer looks like an absolute beast. And there's still some decent prospects coming up to the minors um, that could debut next year or the year after. So I'm, I'm still excited about the Astros. I don't think they're out of their window. No, uh, no, no. I do. Th- yeah, you're right about um, Jordan being the centerpiece of the offense. I would be totally comfortable with them being like, listen, you're going to play in the outfield like five interleague games this year, and that's it. Like, aside yep. from that, we're just going to DH you and protect your knees at all costs. Yep. Because his is too valuable. Yep. And put, I think there's there's some saying that Tucker's going to go to center if he can handle it. Um, and I don't think that's a terrible, terrible option, having Tucker at center full time and just making him figure out that position. No, I'm fine with that. Plus, all the young guys they used to plug outfield holes last year, it seems like everybody had at least like a week of. Being, Jake Jake Myers looked great until he broke his shoulder. He looked yeah. really good. Yeah, Jake Myers looked awesome. They had a couple of different guys that came through, and it was like, wow, okay, we've got some yeah. serious depth. Jose Siri, um, yep. he had some games. So you know, Astros look good. They're going to win the the they're going to win the West again. The uh, the Rangers are spending too much money. And they're pretenders. I'd be more worried about the Mariners, honestly. Yeah, Mariners all- are sneaky good. No, I'm always worried about the A's because the A's are the team we're never worried about. And yep. once every three years, they give us all the reason in the world to worry about them. Because but they're going to they're going to trade their first baseman, from what I'm hearing. They're, they're, I mean, there's yeah, they're not going to they're not going to keep him around, and they trade him. I think if anybody's going to have a down year this year, it's going to be the A's. I think the Mariners are up and coming. They had a great year last year. They should have made the playoffs, and then. We'll see with the Angels if they're the same thing or if they finally bust through. They have good players that they can bust through. And then the Rangers are in between uh, the Mariners and the A's. Dude, if everybody played up to their potential, AL West could be the new AL East, truly. Oh, yeah. Instead of being, you know, it's it's kind of thought of the same way the AFC South is a lot of the time mm-hmm. where it's like, if one team is good, they're the only team that's good. You yep. know, like, I, you know, I'm hoping... I still hope the Astros obviously win the AL West, but it's more fun if the Rangers are able to put up a fight. It's more fun. I don't care if the Angels ever put up a fight, but like if the Mariners are competitive, you know, like it's it's just it's better baseball to watch. It's better baseball, but if the if the Rangers are beating the Astros, I'm in a bad place. That is just (laughs) the most miserable. Any of those teams, really, but definitely the rangers and then followed by the angels i'm uh i'm an astros fan living in dallas Mm. so nobody suffers it worse than me like they were still when i i got my first job i was an entry-level guy um here in dallas it was when the astros were still nowhere close to being competitive and when the rangers won like nine straight games against them and i think it was sutton at work letting me hear it Every single like I'd see him in the break room getting coffee or something, and he'd be like, "Hey, how about your Astros?" And I'm like, "I, I you're can't, a piece I of can't, shit, son. I can't keep hearing it. I can't keep hearing it." It was like him and two other guys in the office, and it was just fresh, a fresh wound every day. So, yeah, yeah I'm, uh, I'm in the same boat with you. So, okay, we've covered off some rule changes. Um, talked about potential draft houses. Do you have anything else to add before we? Uh, let everybody go. I know that there's a couple of people, a couple of commuters that are going to be upset. This isn't a 
two-hour podcast this time around, but um, my keepers next year follow Jordan Alvarez in the first, uh, Jose Ramirez in the eighth, Wilson Contreras in the tenth, Framer Valdez in the eleventh, Brandon Nemo in the twelfth, Jared Walsh in the nineteenth, and Yuli Gurliel in the seventeenth. So I'm giving everybody an advantage, knowing these are my keepers, and I think it's wow. kind of obvious. Wow, podcast first. Also, it seems like one of your keepers didn't agree with you there. Like there was a little little burp gurgle that came yeah, I mean, through. I've been drinking prosecco this whole time. I got a a, a, a mini in between bottle of prosecco. This is not the mini solo glass of prosecco, and this is not a giant bottle of prosecco. It's just just right. It's just it. Well, from here it looks like an enormous bottle of prosecco. But yeah, it sounded like you had a little burp come up after you said Brandon Nimmo. Like maybe you're not so sure about Brandon Nimmo, but yeah, uh, maybe. But <laughs> I, it was between him and Ebaldi, and I think I'm going to stick with Nimmo. That's fair. That's fair. If he can stay healthy. All right. Well, again, Chase, congratulations. We look forward to your reign as champion, and we will be podcasting again when fantasy football season is over. So early January, look out for that podcast. And uh, from both Chase and I, thanks for listening. And we'll talk to you guys next year. Brad sucks.